You are now listening to Chakras and Shotguns. Welcome back to Chakras and Shotguns, episode 50. I'm Jen. <laughs> and I'm Mick. Welcome back. Sound like you're a little surprised that we have 50 right now. Whoa. <laughs> What's going on with you, though? Hoocha. I feel like every time you ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, hoocha. <laughs> part of, like, the standard dialogue, I feel like, of every episode. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> There's so much going on. There's so much going on. Things are accelerating and they're all great things because we have all had those days where it's like you got a flat tire and your boss needs you on a meeting immediately and your kid's sick and it's like you're running around all day and you're exhausted putting out fires. Yeah. We are trying to express gratitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a lot going on, but they're all, all really, 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 really good things. Yeah. I feel like this is almost like a plug for the manifestation episode. Like, it's like all the things that we wrote down as goals, things we said we wanted to do, like even the criteria that we gave our agent and put in writing for what we wanted in a rental space Mm -hmm. once we moved to L.A. Like, we got everything that was on that list and I'm not gonna lie I was definitely for a moment there like all right what do we have to compromise on Mm -hmm. because we're probably not gonna find every single thing that we wrote down on this list at the price point that we want to pay right and I was found myself kind of like writing contingencies down well if we can't have this let's try to get this and I think the moral of the story is don't settle Mm -hmm. what's for you is for you because we literally Got every single thing that we wanted at the price point, the exact price point we said we wanted to pay. Right. Which was not the price that they initially listed it. Exactly. They came down. like This place was on the market and came down exactly to the price point that we wanted to pay. So I didn't want to say anything. I'm glad, you know, you you came to that um, (laughs) lesson on your own. Because you was just like, look, baby, uh, you were showing me things. You was like, well, for this price. I was like, I don't want to live nowhere for this price. You know, I, I wanted I, to be focused. I, I mean, I feel you. I feel you. It's, but it's hard to flip that switch mm-hmm. and think like that. I just felt that I was getting a little swept up in the money, the money, the mm-hmm. money, the money. What are we going to do for the money? What mm-hmm, if it doesn't work mm-hmm. out? And what if we can't find a place? And L.A. rental market is crazy. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to prove who we were this time. Make sure we weren't the scammers. They asked us for a video of us walking the dog. Yeah, to verify. Like I had to like look at the camera, say my name, like where we were replying, show the dog. So they would actually believe that we were who we said we were. So. Yeah. What's funny is, and it it all worked out, but I was, <laughs> I was a little nervous because we have so much going on that we'll get laser focused and we're like, okay, this is done. Moving on. What's next? And we'll get almost a little robotic about it. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing because Mick's video was just like, hi, this is Mick. This is our dog. 
we're at our house. We're applying for this place. Thank you. <laughs> it wasn't like, hello, we're a beautiful family. And we would love to stay. I wasn't giving them no kind of IG reel, no kind of TikTok, <laughs> just straight up. This is the information you asked for. This is my face. This is my dog. Let's go. <laughs> I said, put some pep in your step. He didn't smile. It was a nice, it was a nice day. You took the video at dusk. He didn't give them nothing. He was not doing it for the gram. It accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Okay. I'm not a scammer. Move on. <laughs> Pick us. Hurry up. So, yes, we're exhausted, but we're here and we're excited. Mm-hmm. This is this is the fun part. Yeah. I love recording. I love it when people write to us, too, though. Yes. And we have gotten some great emails, DMs recently, like, y'all keeping us going. Because this is definitely in the midst of all the 100 million things we got that we're juggling for us and for the kids. It can be hard to motivate to, like, find the time to yeah. research the topic that we're going to do or reach out to the guests that we want to have on. But... Mm-hmm. The motivation that we get from folks reaching out, telling us how much they love the show, it helps. It helps. I did want to point out a couple of things that we added to our Patreon. So by popular demand, we have a tier, a higher end tier, where you can get a monthly either reading from Jen from from a human design standpoint or a tarot reading. Or a Reiki session from me. So you get one of those basically per month as a part of that tier. And then we have a lower tier that is at the bottom. Basically, if you just want to show us some love, you know, as my mama would say, put something on it. <laughs> it's at the $2 price point. So you can do that as well. Maybe people don't know this, but you can give Reiki in a virtual session. So Absolutely, yeah. That's what that would be on, as part of that Patreon. Yeah. So check it out. So, do you want to jump into the breathwork? Let's do it. So, today the theme for the breathwork is all about being gentle with ourselves. And I think we can think about this in different ways. But I'll come up with some examples of what I've been dealing with this past week. So, in the midst of everything, we decided to take a vacation. (laughs) We planned this months ago first off. We did. We didn't know that we were going to be smack dab in the middle of this beautiful storm of activity. (laughs) It's a beautiful transition. (laughs) But we're going to Miami and very excited. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about working on my summer body mad late. (laughs) And with everything that we're juggling, it's hard. It's hard to find time to work out. It's hard to be very diligent about eating healthy every single meal when your husband wants to order yellow curry from the same place with coconut rice and it's delicious. So, but as I was thinking about that and getting ready for the trip and and trying to, you know, figure out what I was going to wear and all of these things, it was like, oh, you didn't work out enough. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're juggling a lot. Give yourself some grace. So the theme is being gentle with ourselves on a lot of things, whether or not it's little things, big things, things we got to, things that we didn't get to. And just giving yourself gratitude for showing up and just doing your best or even if you didn't do your best. And that's okay. So let's get into it. 
We're going to take three deep cleansing breaths together. Let's inhale in through your nose. Feeling your belly expand. And exhale that breath out through your mouth. Let's do that again together. Inhale in through your nose. Sitting up a little straighter. Rolling your shoulders up to your ears and then down your back. Sigh that breath out through your mouth. Last one. Inhale in through your nose. Maybe stretch out your neck, put one ear on one shoulder, your right ear on your right shoulder. Move over to your left ear on your left shoulder. And let's exhale that breath out through your nose. And so now that we've gotten still, gotten present, I want us to take this time to just be grateful for the things that we did get to. Give yourself grace for the things that you didn't get to today or where you thought you should be by now. Or even if it's something like feeling less negative or that you should be happy or that you should be kinder. If you feel that you missed the mark, acknowledging that that's part of the lesson, loving on yourself regardless, And comfort yourself. Let yourself know that it's okay. I feel like we always feel this urge to do or accomplish or achieve. And even if it's things around the house or things for the kids or things in your career or things for your loved ones or what you should be doing, acknowledging that you need rest and acknowledging that you can't do everything and resetting your own standard that affirms you and loves you for who you are. even as you continue to strive to be better. We can't talk to ourselves so critically and so with so much demand to our goals. Let's recommit to loving ourselves 
to the finish line. As corny as that may sound. (laughs) All right. Thanks for that, Jen. That was great. You want to get into the main topic? Let's do that. So today we're doing a little bit of a part two double click, if you will, on our conversation that we had with Shauna Siobhan in the last episode. Basically, we want to get more into the subject of ancestor veneration. We wanted to share our journey with how we honor our ancestors and just talk a little bit more about what that looks like in terms of different practices that other people may have around honoring their ancestors. Before we get into that, though, I want to ask you, Mick, is double click, is that a is that a corporate thing? Like, let's double click on that. I just <laughs> wanted to know. You never heard that before? I've never heard that. But let me noodle on it. I'll noodle on it and um, circle back and uh, tee that up for you next time. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's first level set on what ancestor veneration is. So the definition, Wikipedia has an article about veneration of the dead. But to summarize it, basically... Ancestor veneration is based on the belief that we have a continued existence after we die in some way, shape, or form, and that the dead can have influence with regard to the fortunes of the living. Yeah, so the article mentions a bunch of different countries and cultures that have, you know, very specific practices that they do around honoring their ancestors. It mentioned China, India, Cambodia, Indonesia, Japan, Thailand, even some of the Celtic cultures in Europe, uh, and also several different cultures in Africa as well. We even see ancestral veneration show up in pop culture. So the Pixar movie Coco, that highlights Dia de los Muertos. Did you catch that Spanish accent? I see you. Okay. I see you. It's a Duolingo. Okay. <laughs> Where? <laughs> where altars are built, there's special food and flowers offered, you know, the painting of the skulls. And mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the movie, the premise is basically your afterlife is as, as long as people remember you, the mm-hmm. people who are still living. And so I won't spoil the movie, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. I watched it on a plane. I don't even think we had kids when I watched that movie. That's how old that movie is. (laughs) (laughs) You said spoiler alert. I was like, I hope they've seen it by now. They might not have. Some people still haven't seen Frozen. That's true. A more reality TV cultural reference. (laughs) Blink Empire, if you have not seen that Hot Mess Express, it's on Netflix. Kane. Whatever. Kane, who is from Singapore, he talked about his ancestor altar and shared it with his friend on the show. And it was actually really beautiful to see how he brought his culture and his faith to reality TV in a way that people might not have normally seen. And we also see this in like in other random places. And I think we don't really pick up on it. And I mean that in the sense that Sometimes when you hear ancestral veneration, you're like, I don't know what that is. But Mm -hmm. we see it so often and we don't think of it as like demonic or anything. Mm -hmm. In the context of 
people who are Catholic lighting candles at a church for someone who is passed. Mm-hmm. We see that all the time. Yeah. In all kinds of, you see it on Lifetime, you see it in my movies, <laughs> you see it everywhere. So. Yeah. So why do people decide to do this practice, right? Obviously, a lot of it's cultural, but some of the benefits that people cite include having a deeper spiritual connection. They feel a greater sense of familial love. They feel like their prayers are answered or answered faster. And kind of just receiving some good luck and feeling protected are some of the things that people talk about. Mm. I think it's also comforting to know that your most treasured loved ones are still watching out for you Mm -hmm. in the afterlife. So everybody's like, do you have a praying grandmother? Mm -hmm. And how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. Like, not to quote Buzz Lightyear, but to infinity and beyond. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Somebody tell Kendrick that. He say, all of them dead, but they they still there. They still still looking out for me. Oh, yeah. He say, ain't nobody praying for me. Exactly. Somebody needs you. Anyways, leave, leave, leave my fellow Gemini brother alone. I like Kendrick Lamar. Let the record reflect. Okay. Mick, why don't you talk about your journey with ancestral <laughs> veneration? Yeah. So I think for me, a lot of things from my childhood, looking back, were really like ancestral veneration. I've been to like a lot of grave sites of relatives all across Texas from both sides of my families. So both of, both of my parents, their sides of the family are from like really small towns in Texas. And so we would drive out to visit these grave sites in these small towns, lay down flowers, spend some time just kind of reminiscing about the lives of the people that my parents knew who were in the family. We kept a lot of really old pictures around the house. We had a lot of old belongings and furniture from our deceased relatives. My dad would sit me down. You see this piece right here? This was owned by you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's how he was sounding to me. I'm not going to do you. <laughs> we are not going to do your daddy like that. That's how it sound to me. How you gonna have your daddy sounding like your great granddaddy? Why you do that? <laughs> you know he listened to the show. <gasps> Let me tell my story, I'm okay? Sorry. <laughs> my bad. So anyway, he would look at these pieces of furniture and tell me where they came from, who's originally had it, and whatnot, how it got passed down. And I think the point is, like, when he passes on, he wants me to make sure that I like understand the significance of like don't just like sell it or throw it away. So it's interesting to me sometimes how how heavy that can be. Mm-hmm. All of that knowledge of everything that's come before you, even and even when it's transferred to objects, like you have to remember the significance of each object. Like, I feel like I'm on Antique Row Show. <laughs> I got to remember all of that. <laughs> that's why you have to designate a historian. For me, I think it was a lot of the same. Like my mom, actually, she grew up in a small town in Louisiana. She actually just went back home with some of her siblings to do an annual cleaning of the gravesite where my grandparents are buried and other family members are buried. And it was just, you know, they clean it up, they spruce it up, and this is something that they do. I guess it was, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of stories. It was a lot of pictures and remembering of people that had passed on. Something unfortunate is before I was born, my grandparents on that side, their house burned down. And Mm. so they lost a lot of pictures. So it was like the pictures that we did have were like very, very important and always on display. 
Yeah, I guess that's like really the extent of it. It was about how important it was about how people were buried in my family. Like that was very, very important that they're you know, had their graves looking dusty. You want to keep them up to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. That was very important. Yeah. So then we come to our wedding. Yeah, I think that was an important step kind of in our journey of ancestor veneration. So our wedding day, it actually is on the birthday of one of my grandmothers who had passed away two or three years before we got married. Two Mm -hmm. years, like two years before we got married. And, you know, for context, we got engaged in February and we decided that we wanted to get married in the fall of that same year. And so if anyone's planned a wedding, knows anything about the process, a lot of these venues will book out months and months, if not years, in advance. Mm -hmm. And so... There was a point in time where we were like, are we going to find a spot that like we really like that's available? And so we found this place and we loved it. And that date of my grandmother's birthday was open. And it honestly kind of felt like she was like holding it open for us. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it was like for us to get married on her birthday was important to her. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Also, like we really wanted to get married on a Saturday, which is like the typical day for weddings. And like the fact that her birthday fell on a Saturday was like, uh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, when we were planning our wedding, we wanted to include our grandparents that had passed and weren't able to be a part of our day. I don't have any grandparents that are still living. And, you know, Mick had just lost his grandmother. So that was really top of mind. And he had some other grandparents that had passed as well. And so we wanted to make sure that I think it was more so. It was really sad for both of us that they could not be there and that they couldn't share in that day. And it was something like, I was like, I know my grandmother would have loved this. My grandfather would have had a great time. And it was like, well, how can we incorporate them in some way? So we had a special table just for pictures of them with a sign in remembrance. Mm -hmm. And we had candles Mm -hmm. on that table It was just to include them in this beautiful day that we know that they would have really, really loved. And we wanted them there in spirit. We weren't thinking about the title, Ancestor Veneration. Mm -hmm. We weren't thinking about that. No, we weren't. We were just like, this will be really nice. And, you know, and they're in our hearts and we really wish that they were here. Yeah. And so many family members like said to me later, I don't know if they say anything to you, like, how much they loved that and like how emotional they got when they like saw it and, you know, just were really happy that we, we did that. Mm. So that was our wedding. And then that was like 2015. Mm -hmm. Fast forward. I have my first reading with Melanie Esperon. Mm. Melanie, Melanie. I got a reading coming up with her. (laughs) So I had my first reading with Melanie. Did not know what to expect. I'm meeting a psychic. She's a medium, but I'm meeting a psychic and she I'm thinking she's going to be like, OK, girl, you can win the lottery on this day. She ain't told me, <laughs> she ain't told me that yet, though. Not one number. Not one. <laughs> 15, 20, 37, 38. You don't know that reference. Like, oh, wow. What are you, talking about? you do not know the lottery numbers from All About the Benjamins. Oh, yes. Now, now it all makes sense. I did not know what you were doing. I remember now. I don't know the numbers by heart. It's not like Mike Jones' phone number to me. <laughs> I think I might have gotten one of them wrong. 
But anyways, that's neither here nor there. The point is, I'm thinking she's just like, hey, you might want to eat more organic veggies. You could have an issue with a kidney. I don't know. I'm making up stuff. Or you're going to have another baby. She actually did tell me that, though. She was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, am I? Because... <laughs> girl (laughs) I don't know yet and I was so I'm thinking she's gonna say things like that but we sit down and she's like your grandmother's here Mm -hmm. and I'm like she's like on your mother's side and I was like she would be (laughs) and I think that was probably it's almost like wishful thinking sometimes that they're that they're there that they're on the other side that they're thinking about us however however a thing that I have found concerning. <laughs> and I have seen tweets about this. I know where you're going. I have always wanted to know, are spirits of our loved ones, are they, can they be omnipresent? Meaning, like, you know, if I have a little road rage and I'm cussing somebody out on the highway, is my grandma there? My grandma don't need to be there. <laughs> if I'm twerking at the club, is my grandma there? I don't twerk at the club anymore. I'm a mother. <laughs> but if I did, not Let's to say see. that mothers can't twerk. I might be twerking in Miami. I, I don't know. Just about to say that. <laughs> I can't twerk, y'all. That's the that's the real reason. <laughs> but you're like, I don't want my grandma seeing my dirt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And later, I had a session with Kira, who we had on the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, healer. And she was like, your grandmother's here. And she's, I mean, she's hovering over you, like, Mm -hmm, protectively. mm -hmm. And she wanted me to tell you that she's always with you, except in the bedroom. And I said, wait a minute. (laughs) How did you know I was worried about that? (laughs) So, yes, like, ancestors have shown up for me in readings. And it really meant a lot to me. And I think it strengthened my connection mm-hmm. to spirit and spirituality because it wasn't so completely foreign because somebody who I knew and loved very, very deeply is on the other side holding me down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that actually brings me back to my first reading with Melanie as well. And in that reading, same thing kind of happened, right? There are relatives that are, that are present there. And she says, your grandfather's here as well as three grandmothers and she was like how does that make sense she's like doing the math she's like i'm not really clear and she was like was your, was your granddaddy like a, a rolling stone i was like no i don't think so and so she was kind of like doing the math she's like well maybe this could be she's like this jen has two grandmothers that have passed and i was like yeah and i have one and so later on i did some research and found that a lot of times when when folks get married like you get an extended ancestor lineage so like Mm. jen's grandmothers were showing up in my reading as like representatives of my ancestors too right so even though they're not my blood relatives through marriage they essentially have become my ancestors so interesting little tidbit that that kind of popped up in my my reading with melanie also this is what my mother would say that's a warning for who you link up with (laughs) i ain't gonna say no more more (laughs) to that but yes you're right you want them ancestors knocking on your door? <laughs> girl, be careful, girl. So, yeah, following that first reading with Melanie and experiencing, like, these ancestors in the reading, my grandfather was there and was saying a lot to me. I did what I 
would typically do. I went and bought a book. I was like, let me learn some things about the ancestors. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of foolish at this point, looking back on it. But I went about this book. It was called like Honoring Your Ancestors, A Guide to Ancestral Veneration. Didn't even finish it. Like I kind of got halfway through it. No, not to the book and to the author. Like it had some good tidbits of information in it, but not really like what I needed. And so what happened actually, let's say it was like I bought the book, started reading it. Five to seven days later, I'm in a clubhouse room. And that's when I first meet Shauna Siobhan, who was on our last episode, as I mentioned. And at some point, she just addresses me. And she's like, Mick, you need to get out of that book. I'm like, how she know I got a book? Mm. You need to get out of that book and stop using your head and just connect with your ancestors from the heart. And like that hit me. I was like, okay, well, this is clearly a different skill set that I'm not used to exercising, right? I've talked about this before. Like I'm used to book sense, you know, they say mm-hmm. book smarts and learning <laughs> that way. Um, but this is requires just a different muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And working that that heart emotional energy to really try to feel deeply and connect with my ancestors. So that's something that I have since then tried to like take to heart and really try to focus on that. I hate to say this, but this is LeVar Burton's fault. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Take a look. It's in a book. That's what you think. That's what you go to. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in a book. Mm-mm. It's in your heart, boo. <laughs> so, yes, that's a good one. <laughs> so I remember having a conversation with you after that clubhouse room with Shauna. And I had done like my little reading in the book. And I was kind of like, so how are you feeling about this whole like, you know, ancestor veneration thing. I'm learning, I'm hearing about altars. Like, you know, what what do you, how do you feel about this? Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I think I was uh old dude with that solo cup. Like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll put it like this. I think altars have bad branding. Okay. I think that, because think about it, in traditional church, altar, you come to the altar. The altar is a place in the church. You mm-hmm. don't have an altar in your yeah, home. Yeah. Now, traditional Christianity, you hear about people creating altars. It's It has like a witchy kind of sense to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the connotation of like, oh, they're doing spells. It's something dark. Mm-hmm. They're creating altars. They're worshiping something, you yeah, know, not nice. of God. And... When you were telling me some of the the aspects that come with that, and we'll get into those, I think I was kind of like, I don't need nothing else to do. <laughs> I do remember that that reaction. I do think we like talked about it a little bit more though, and kind of like where I landed. At least I don't know if you felt the same way, but it was kind of like for me, it was like, how can honoring people in my lineage be bad or evil? Like particularly folks that I knew who passed and then others who like my parents knew really well and had a lot of great things to say about for me it was just kind of like well how is this bad and we have so much of honoring the dead in our society right Mm -hmm. holidays we have festivals and there's figures in the catholic church that we mentioned already I mean memorial day exactly and so for me I just kind of like sat with it and felt like I wanted to have a, a connection with my deceased relatives yeah, I wasn't opposed to it. We still had all them pictures from the wedding. Exactly. <laughs> That's literally what we used. My dad came over one day and he was like, where did you get that picture of his mother? And I was like, you gave it to me. He didn't even know. We were just sitting on it. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a good 
transition to like how we started building out our altar, right? So we used those same pictures from our wedding, took those and thought they were great and and, and put them up. We we used the cloth to kind of like lay down on a shelf right first. And most commonly, you'll read that white is the the color of that cloth. But for us, we actually had gone to Ghana, as we mentioned, and there was this kente cloth, like factory, I'd say, or like a mill where you can get authentic kente cloth. The real kente. Yeah, exactly. Not that stuff at Dollar Tree. It's the freedom for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I picked up some cloth there and I don't know, I kind of like thought maybe I'd make a pillow out of it or something. I I just kind of grabbed it. I like this cloth pattern. I'm going to just buy some. And had it didn't really have a, a use for it when I got when I got it back it was red but I just really liked it and said I'm going to use this for the ancestor altar and then later on did some research read some things and talked about like how important red is as a color for like West African societies in terms of like spiritual significance so I was like okay you know no no such thing as a coincidence we, we you know we use the red red cloth but then I looked into what other elements we needed to have as a part of our ancestor altar and so they basically said like have something that is living. So we have a, a, a plant there. We have something that represents fire. So that's a candle. We have white candles that we use. A glass of water for water. Crystals for the earth. We even have some feathers that represent air. And so, yeah, we put all of those on the ancestor altar. And that's what we, that's what we had, yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to sound bad. Well, no, it's not going to sound bad. This is going to sound real. I think for me, I wanted to make sure that it was aesthetically pleasing in my home. (laughs) I did not. Yeah, I have a, you know, I have a style. Does it fit the motif? What are these frames looking like? Are we doing mixed metals? What are we doing? (laughs) Okay. That was very important to me. (laughs) But seriously, I think once we like really put it up, even if I was dragging my feet a little bit about like, what is this going to look like? What are these, what are these frames or whatever? Putting it into your home and putting the thought into it, I felt like it also made that connection and it made it more special because if I'm dead and gone, I don't want nobody throwing my stuff up and it don't look aesthetically pleasing. Don't put my picture up (laughs) in no mess. Don't just have my picture. up. You got a Polaroid snapshot of me and a janky candle. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Give me something modern with clean lines, please. So it was handled with care. It was. It was handled with care. It was handled with care. And it was beautiful. And I think when you think about your your ancestors and their place in your home, and if you think about them as people, wouldn't they enjoy being somewhere that was beautiful and mm-hmm. looked beautiful and was alive and rich and like rich in color and plants and all of the elements and and felt good to them. Absolutely. So ours was actually set up in our formal dining room. I say was because we've taken some, taken it down since we're like showing our house for to sell it. But it was in our formal dining room. Shauna actually mentioned on the last episode, there are like some rules out there about which rooms you should have in. Like there's people who say like you shouldn't have it in the, the same room where you have sex, right? Not in your bedroom. And Shauna was like, well... My ancestors, if you remember this, she said, my ancestors were in a one-room shack during the slavery period. So they had to have it where they had to have it. And so some of those rules, I would just say, do what works for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? 
But if you don't want your grandmama looking at you when you do it, then <laughs> you might want to move it out of there. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to go back to to crystals really quickly. We have a few different crystals specifically on our ancestor altar. So number one would be obsidian. And it's mentioned on a lot of different sites as like the number one crystal that you should have when it comes to working with the ancestors. Something about the properties and how it's like volcanic glass. It works really well for kind of connecting with the other side. And then we also have selenite, which, as we mentioned before, is a self-cleansing crystal. It's associated with angels. It's just a really like cleansing and pure of light type crystal. And then we also have sodalite, which is a blue stone. Really good for communication, throat chakra. So that's why we uh, chose those those crystals and we recommend those as well for you guys. So after we initially set up our ancestor altar, I wanted to go even deeper. I got on Ancestry.com, looked up as far back as I could on some of my ancestors. I knew some of the names from my dad, at least on his side, but some of the ones on my mom's side I didn't know. And I just started to to make a list of my ancestors. And I put that list on the altar. Now, if you remember from our episode again with Shauna, she talked about being very intentional with who you pick because some of your ancestors may have been on some foolishness, as she said. I understand where she's coming from with that. I, however, believe that we've talked about our higher selves before. Mm -hmm. I My view is that when we transition it's our higher selves that are occupying that spirit world and they're communicating back with us. And so even if we were on some foolishness in this life, like there is a higher self of that person that is communicating back. Mm. And so when I'm reaching out to my ancestors, I believe I'm talking to their higher self. That's just my personal spiritual philosophy on that. I think I would add a little caveat to that. Okay. And that would be... If you feel that your ancestors are directing you in one way or another, that you still run that through the filter of your own intuition. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. When I say that, I I meant that when I'm talking to them and like having that dialogue, I, like I'm addressing like their higher self. Now, if they tell me to do something back, right, I'm still always running that through my own yeah discernment because there was a story i think it was i think it's your clubhouse story actually but i'm gonna tell it because you don't remember it (laughs) ha was that this woman was talking to her ancestors about staying in this relationship Mm. and they told her to stay in it yes and then it was it was all bad it was toxic it was a mess and then she realized that each of the women that she felt she was connecting with had their own trauma and experiences mm-hmm. and that was what they knew and it was mm-hmm. and it was likely a generational curse we need to do an episode on that mm-hmm. it was likely a generational curse of being in this these cycles of toxic relationships and she was kind of like yeah i still believe in that situation that those women thought they were doing the right thing like their spirits believed it was their higher self thought that they were like genuinely looking out mhm for their descendants. Yeah, no. I think sometimes, though, people are like, oh, this is my ancestor. This is their highest self, and they only want the best for me. And what they tell me to do, they just must know everything, and so I have to do it. Yes. Or I should do it, rather. Yeah. And while they might be looking out, 
you know, it might not be the best move for you. Exactly. That's fair. That's fair. So I think the next step for me with connecting with my ancestors, I mentioned before about how I have relatives that are buried in small towns throughout Texas. And I kept getting this message from meditation, from spending time at the ancestral altar to make a trip to go to where my dad's side of the family is actually buried. And I was kind of fighting it. I was like, I don't know. That's kind of a long drive. I don't know if I really want to do it. And I was cleaning up my bookshelf and this book that I hadn't picked up in years, this picture fell out of it. It was a picture of the oldest relatives that I know of, like kind of the first freed people who were on my my dad's side of the family. It's like the only picture we, we have of them. And when the picture fell out, I was like, I immediately remembered putting it in there because I didn't want it to bend. I kind of kept it in there so it wouldn't get bent up when someone gave it to me. And so that picture popping out was like, okay, I need to make that trip because they're actually buried at this site. And so I decided to make the drive, got in my car, went out there, spent some time, brought some flowers, candles, all the all the good stuff um, to, to lay down at their gravesite and just sat with them and meditated outside their gravesite. And it was just like a really beautiful experience. Yeah, I remember when you took that trip and you were like, I gotta go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we already knew that we were moving at some point. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of like, well, it's better that you take this hour and a half drive now mm-hmm. versus we have to do a whole to-do for yeah. you to do it after we move. So he prepared for that and he and he took it. And I didn't really know what to expect. It was interesting hearing his experience coming back and and feeling that connection especially because i think that i haven't i haven't personally been to a grave site where someone in my family and my ancestral lineage was buried since our spiritual journey and so mm. it'll be interesting to see well i mean that I mean, I don't want it to sound like an experiment. Ooh, it'll be interesting. Mm. I just mean that... You have a different awareness when you go. Exactly. I think that, to be honest, it wasn't something I enjoyed doing. Every time you're at a gravesite, it's like, it can be very sad. Yeah. If you only go when it's the funeral. It was. It felt like it was something that my parents did, of regularly visiting their loved ones at this place. And so... I tended to lean towards how long I got to be here until I can go. (laughs) This is morbid. I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be a different experience the next time that I do that. I don't know when the next time I'll be able to go to Louisiana. Yeah. Maybe I should make that a priority. But I don't think I'm going to have time before we leave. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I guess that gets me to... Going back to my grandmother, who was a huge part of my life, and she passed away when I was 19. And even though she was older, it was very sudden. She wasn't sick. She wasn't, she was in her late 80s, but she wasn't ill. So it was, she had a little cold and was saying she was feeling better. And two days later, she had a heart attack and passed away. Mm. And so it was very, it was the first time someone very close to me passed away. It was, I'm an only child, so watching my mother lose her mother was very, very hard. And to 
rekindled that connection in the past year has been something that's very, very special to me. I had a subsequent reading with Melanie and I was very pregnant and she said, your grandmother's here and she's going to help usher this baby onto this earthly plane. Mm-hmm. And I was due in the same month that my grandmother's birthday was. And we had a running joke because my grandfather, he passed after my grandmother and he passed in her birthday month. Mm. And he passed a few days before her birthday. And it was kind of a joke a little bit. But my mother would say, I feel like she wanted him there with her for her birthday. Mm. And so then fast forward, you know, it's like 11 years later, I'm pregnant. And my grandmother's birthday is in the beginning of the month. I was due at the end of the month. I was thinking that it could very well trickle to the next month. (laughs) And I was not feeling well on my grandmother's birthday. Like I was like, I feel like I might go into labor. (laughs) And I told my grandmother, I said, look, I got stuff to do. I got one more week at work. I got some stuff I got to wrap up. I can't do it today. (laughs) And I started feeling better. (laughs) I ended up having our second daughter 10 days later. And so it was like the elements of my grandmother's birthday were still there, except, you know, you like add 10. (laughs) And I was like, I really think she really wanted me to be like, Come on, Jen. Wouldn't it be good if she was born on my birthday? And it was just like this connection and it was just full of love. And it was it wasn't about sadness. I've had plenty of time to grieve Mm -hmm. of losing her and or losing her in the way that I'm used to seeing someone. Mm -hmm. But knowing that they have a connection is like really beautiful. And our daughter is almost 18 months now. And she's gotten really good at expressing yes and no. Like she nods and shakes her head and she means, usually Mm -hmm. means what she's trying Mm -hmm. to say. And so I asked her, we call my grandmother, mother dear, but like my dear for short. And I asked her out of nowhere, like something just told me, I said, do you know my dear? And she was like, yes. I said, where is she? And she kind of put her hands up in the sky and she looked at me. And then she just reached out and gave me like the biggest hug. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But I already had my connection with her, but it was just really interesting because they always talk about babies being so close to the other side. Yeah. And it was like really beautiful. And I came out and told Mick, I was like, this is a very random moment, like while we're putting on pajamas after bath time. But I really feel like she still has that connection. We don't know what babies can see. Yeah. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Also, one last thing. When Mick told me that my grandmothers were popping up in his reading, I was like, ah. <laughs> like one of my grand, like my other grandmother was in Mick's reading. I was like, girl, you didn't even roll up and say hi to me. I had the reading first. <laughs> they were trying to see what was going on. <laughs> Nosy. She could have said hi or whatever. Something. I think similar to your connection with your grandmother, I've had an interesting connection with my grandfather since kind of our like spiritual journey. My grandfather actually died before I was born, about a year before I was born. And all kind of throughout my life, people told me about him, uh, how much we looked alike. There's like a picture of him when he graduated from high school that was like in our foyer and like it looks a lot like me. 
And I actually wrote my college essay about that picture. So like the, the essay was like, we have a picture that has significance to you and tell us why this picture is important to you or whatever. So I used his high school graduation picture and wrote the essay about him. And then when I finally got to college, I pledged Alpha. He was an Alpha as well. And so, you know, family family history there. So we have that connection. Uh, as I mentioned before, he was in my Melanie reading. He's popped up in a lot of other readings with lots of things to say. At my grandmother's 90th birthday, I was the MC, And this is my grandmother that was married to, to him. And I was the MC, and I was standing on stage. My back was like against the wall or like to a wall. And my, while my grandmother's kind of up and talking to like the crowd that's there for, for her party, I feel this like grabbing or like massaging of my shoulder. And I, I'm sure it's probably on video somewhere. I like have this reaction where I turn around and I look like behind me and there's nobody behind me. It's just a wall. <laughs> and I'm looking like, who grabbed my shoulder? And then like I immediately, as I asked that question, knew that it was like him. Like they're just kind of like observing and letting me know that he was there hanging out and watching, you know, my grandmother talk mm-hmm. about her life. So, yeah, that's been my uh, my connection with my grandfather. I feel like your grandparents have this. I think it's unique because we talk to your grandmother mm-hmm. because she's still here with us. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting watching their connection. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, it's like that was a very, very deep love. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about how we set up the altar, but, you know, what do you do after that? And so what we like to do are offerings. And what we typically like to put on the altar are things that we know our grandparents would like, our ancestors. I think it's easier easier for us with our grandparents because mm-hmm. we can at least... If we don't already know, we can ask somebody. Exactly. And so I like to do coffee. So when I make coffee for Mick and I, I'll make some extra and I'll put it in a little glass and I'll sit it on the altar. I'll light a candle. And the candle is supposed to be basically a spiritual doorbell for them to come and receive this offering. We'll leave fruit. We'll leave peppermints because whose grandma don't love a peppermint candy? (laughs) My grandmother loved peppermint candy. <laughs> so I always have some of that for her. What else do you, what do you leave for your grandfather? Yeah, so my grandfather, he had a pipe that he smoked. And so my dad still had the pipe and he gave it to me. So I actually have the pipe up there and I put a little tobacco in there. I also learned when I looked at the old picture of him and my grandmother from back in the day, he had a very specific whiskey brand. I actually had never heard of the whiskey brand before, but I found like it's still in production Mm. i found some and i put a little bit out in my little alpha shot glass form and yeah that's what i've been setting out when we first started doing this what was really really interesting was okay look y'all know we busy so i love to cook but i always don't have the time so we're big on this is not an ad we're big on uber (laughs) eats and or dash (laughs) And when we first started putting food on the altar, we were like getting all this random extra food. Mm -hmm. Normally they mess your food up. Mm -hmm. Your food be missing. No, we're getting extra biscuits. And it's always something that grandparents like. Mm -hmm. We're getting extra buttermilk biscuits. We're getting extra. For free. For free. We're getting extra red beans and rice from Papa Do's. For free. (laughs) And so it was actually Mick who was like, 
do you think our ancestors might have had something to do with this? Because it's always something that they want to eat. And so we'll always try and be sure to put something out for them up there. Another time, and I think maybe it was just kind of training. I don't want to say training or grooming, but like teaching. It was a way of them teaching us, you know, remember the things that we like. And this is these are the things that we would like to receive. And I remember I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was just doing something randomly and it was like pound cake. And I was like, excuse me? I beg your pardon? And I remember my grandmother loved pound cake. But also, again, whose grandmama don't love pound cake? <laughs> I never made a pound cake in my life. I said, Mick, I got to make a pound cake. Yeah. He said, okay, can I have some? And the rest is history. Yeah. So I made, I made a pound cake. So just trying to think of those types of things yeah another cleanliness aspect yeah so jen was very concerned when we started you know putting food out <laughs> how is this gonna operate in the home in the home we had tried for a little while to do some composting and so we had like this little compost bin that was in our kitchen and it was attracting all kinds of fruit flies you know we put the banana peels and stuff in there and it would just it would be nuts in terms of flying insects in that area and so she was worried like okay we putting this food out over here in our formal dining room yeah. what's gonna happen i thought it was gonna be creepy <laughs> crawlers i always saw the commercials for those my, my mama never got me none of that. Mom either. <laughs> anyway <laughs> so <laughs> one of the interesting things about our altar is that we have had like there was one time i, I forgot a strawberry up there and like it like fully like disintegrated like it was like all the way down to like deflated, like flat red tube almost. And there was like no bugs around it. Like none. Nothing was flying around it. Nothing was trying to eat it. Yeah, nothing even like because we keep a lot of fresh fruit. So sometimes we will just have fruit flies. Yeah. And they're not over there. Mm -mm. It yeah. boggles the mind. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes whenever I'm like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose? Is this even real? Is this just luck? Are these coincidences? Because those little those little things can come up. Absolutely. And I think it's because we're used to thinking a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that we were raised. And about a lot of things, about what you can see and what you can't see and how physics works and how mm -hmm. the world works and how time works. And you're just re- configuring yeah how you experience not think mm -hmm. how you experience life so mm -hmm. i'm like we are going to have roaches that's it <laughs> we're gonna have roaches and a minimum ants <laughs> if we're leaving biscuits and etouffee <laughs> yes. up on the freaking altar we're gonna have bugs it's just out in the air <laughs> yuck oh man and yet we it's like, it. is it possible for a moment, is it possible that our spiritual connection, our ancestors created basically a... a no fly zone. A Orkin <laughs> pest control spirit energy bubble <laughs> that was like, y'all not coming up in here because mm -hmm. this is my plate. <laughs> so... I probably should have said this earlier because I think all of this came around the same time that you were reading the book, but we were watching Lovecraft Country, which is an amazing HBO series. Mm -hmm. Should not have been canceled, but that's neither here nor there. It wraps itself up nicely in one season. Go watch it. 
there was a podcast that accompanied the show that was produced by HBO and it had a writer from the show and an an amazing author named Ashley C. Ford, who I love her stuff. And they had a guest and it was a man, he was, he was Latino and he was talking about ancestral veneration because he like, it all fit into the theme of that episode. And the way he was talking about it and the way he was unpacking like what it is and what it isn't really stuck with me. And it was also like divine timing because Mick at the same time was like reading about this. I was like, you should listen to this episode. But he tells this story about he was an EMT and they reported to a home where I think the man was dying or dead and was like he had coded. It was like a wrap. And the other MT was kind of working on him. And I guess they were, you know, about to bag him up and take him in. Mm-hmm. And he saw that the man had an ancestral altar and that it was dusty. He said it was dusty. There wasn't any fresh food on it. The water looked stale. And he said, so he just kind of cleaned it up. He cleaned it up a little bit, refreshed the water, knocked on the altar and was like, yo, your boy <laughs> is out here and he's not doing good. Get your mans. And he said that man came back to life. <laughs> so, you know, we all need resources. Okay. The gas is high and so is the rent. <laughs> I'll say that. All right. Well, guys, we will go with that note. Hopefully you have a good idea basic understanding, you know, of how you can incorporate ancestor veneration into your spiritual practices if you so choose. As always, if you have a question, please email us at chakrasandshotguns at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. If you'd like to join our Chakras and Shotguns community, you can support us on Patreon. And finally, if you're loving the show, please subscribe and give us five stars wherever you listen. Namaste. Namaste.